Well, before we get started this morning, just an introduction. My name is Ash. I'm on staff here. It's really good to be with you on this first Sunday in Advent. A bit of family news that's exciting. Um, Elizabeth Jane Kreider was born this morning at about 2.30. Yeah, it's really exciting to Emily and John. That's their third baby, um, and so they have... I think three under three or three under four, so pray for them as they come home from the hospital. But we're really excited to have her in our midst here in a couple of weeks. Um, Other point of just kind of family business, none of this of which you will care about, but I have been waiting in anticipation and hope for the Michigan Wolverines to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes, and it happened yesterday, Um, which... You guys go, those states are really far away, but it's really near and dear to my heart. And I don't think Fred is here, Westover, but um, he was probably here at the nine. But for us, we've been waiting a long time, almost a decade, to see that happen. So my son only had to wait three years. Anyways, Advent. Um, We are here on our first Sunday. And if I can be honest, I am an Advent junkie. Like, I love it. It is one of my most, it is my most favorite like season in the liturgical calendar because I think it really has this knack for orienting us and reminding us of what it is that we do, why we worship, why we come together. There's so much packed into these four kind of big themes of hope, which we find ourselves on today, this Sunday, and peace next Sunday, and then joy, and then love, and then the celebration and the culmination of Christmas Eve. I love this season, not because it's Christmas, but because it really does help us look ahead as well as behind. It reminds us of the coming of Christ in the form of a little baby, but also of what's to come that Christ is going to come yet again. But one thing that has struck me a bit differently this particular Advent season is this overarching theme of anticipation. It's sort of the name of our series for the next couple of weeks, and today's sort of entitled Waiting in Hope. And if I can be honest about something, I'm not great at waiting. Um, And I don't really like to anticipate things. There's also this little thing happening in my life where I'm having a baby in about four weeks from today. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, And that would make us think, oh, you really are living into this theme and this reality of anticipating something, right? But I will be honest, I don't do it well. I'm the girl who my mom would tell you fervently looked for her Christmas presents. Um, I am the wife that checks our Amazon Prime or our bank statement to see what it is that someone may or may have not bought me. Yep, I'm notorious for canceling Amazon orders that I go, we don't need that, nor do I want that. Um, So I don't like to wait. And so this sort of collision of Advent and anticipation paired with having a baby soon, paired with um, just Christmas, has really left me going, I don't like the name of this series, and Randy didn't ask me. Um, And I get to preach twice in it, which is just crazy that they keep giving the really pregnant lady a microphone. Um, You don't know what might come out of my mouth today. Anyways, 
moral of the story is anticipation can be a challenging thing. It can be this really difficult thing, or it can be this really beautiful thing. And I think the Lord has been teaching me a ton in preparation for this season about what it means to anticipate and hope as we journey along in our spiritual lives. I'm coming to understand that anticipation isn't just slightly embedded into the themes of Advent, but it's deeply embedded. Those words of hope, peace, love, joy, and of course the coming of Christ are really things that our world is desperate for. We see plenty of attempts of sort of culture to short-circuit those or sort of give those to us in a, a fast way. And honestly, what I often see is it, it not coming to very good fruition. That when the world tries to give us things like hope, peace, joy, and love, it's short, it's temporary. And what we need more than ever this Advent season is for a lasting hope, peace, joy, love, and the coming and celebration of Christ. And perhaps we don't appreciate a good wait. We don't appreciate, you know, waiting for something, or perhaps we are more interested in the promised land than we are in the journey, or perhaps we don't like the wilderness, or we like to see the consummation of things versus the journey to and from something. I think all of these things sort of come and swirl together in this Advent season to remind us of what the Proverbs writer said, which was, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We don't have to look very far to the left or to the right or even inside of us to know places where our hearts feel sick where things haven't panned out the way that we had anticipated or hoped for them to. And what I want us to see today is that, friends, we are in good company. As I have looked over the arc and the trajectory of Scripture, I see brothers and sisters in the Lord who have anticipated and waited for the hope of Jesus and for him to come again. I think of our friend Noah, who built a boat, and everyone thought he was crazy, but he anticipated and waited in hope for the promises of God. I think of Abraham, who begged the Lord for a son and waited literally decades. I think of Jacob waiting and working for Laban on behalf of Rachel and then to wait again. I think of David, you will be a king, but just not yet. I think of the bleeding woman in the New Testament who was desperate to be healed and waited year after year after year. I think of the disciples after Jesus has died and come back and gone and ascended to heaven, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit huddled up in a room. I think of Paul, who we've spent much of this fall studying and following his words to the churches. Um, of Ephesus, and then in First Peter we, we read some other things, but I think of Paul waiting in jail cells for God to move. And certainly if we think about the people of Israel in general, we know that they were waiting and anticipating the arrival of Jesus. It's written all over 
scripture. Friends, we are in good company, and we have a lot to learn from them. Throughout Advent, we'll look at an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture, and this morning's Old Testament scripture comes from Jeremiah. And it says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. See, what I love about this text is Jeremiah wasn't spouting off something that felt like reality to them. He may have been telling them something that they knew, but they certainly did not feel that way. And I think that's how we sit, right? Advent may tell us to remember and remind yourself of Christ's coming in the form of a little baby some 2,000 years ago and his promise of return one day. But do we actually feel that in our souls? Last Advent, there was this sticky note that sat on my desk that said, May Christ be born in you, Ash. Do we actually feel Christ coming alive in us? What's so interesting about this particular season in the liturgical calendar is most pastors really don't like Advent. I think if, I don't know if Randy's even in here, but he doesn't really like Advent, just a secret. Um, but I love it. But they don't like it because we preach the same thing year over year over year. We talk about hope, joy, peace, love, and we celebrate Christmas. And that can feel somewhat mundane or monotonous. But that's arguably the point, that we don't feel the promise and the anticipation and the hope of the coming of Christ. Because I think if we did, we would all be excited and just would be Advent junkies like me. Um, but if we go back to the people of Israel, to Jeremiah's time, where the coming Messiah felt distant and nearly impossible, there was certainly turmoil during Jeremiah's time, disagreement, feelings of hopelessness and disappointment. I don't think there was any shortage of people looking around and saying, How long, O oh Lord? And what I think about as I think about those people is it sounds really familiar. It sounds really familiar to the life I do here in our congregation and in our city and in our world of how long, oh Lord. Sometimes we make jokes about the coming of Christ again, but in reality, that's because our heart aches for the coming and the hope and the redemption of Christ's return. It's the first advent is easily celebrated because it's tangible, it's in front of us, and then the second one, we often lose sight of this anticipation and hope that comes with us. But I think what Jeremiah was doing for those people of Israel is really what advent is meant to do for you and I. To remind us to be alert to keep clear vision and allow the promise of God's return and the ultimate redemption to keep us focused and with a holy perspective. Advent, my friends, 
is meant to orient us in a way that breeds hope. It should remind us of this in-between time that we live in, the time between Christ's coming and then his return. And what I want us to notice is that, honestly, we have to keep these things in front of us because much like the people of Israel, our anticipation and our hope wanes. We forget. We forget that we live in this in-between time, that God has come, and yet he's to come again. And we lose sight because the world is broken. But I think why we spend these four to five weeks every year is really to remind us that God is on the move and in our midst. And we see this sort of in our our text uh, from the New Testament in Luke that reads like this. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity of the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable, look at the fig tree, all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all of these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all of those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man." Perhaps not the most uplifting Advent text. However, I think it's a sobering reminder of the times that we live in. And a reminder of the hope that is to come. Most people talk about this text in a, oh, be on watch. The times are going to get bad. It's not going to be good. You should be afraid. But really, I think Jesus' words to us here are actually meant to encourage us of the hope of his return. That he's planting a seed in us that says, keep watch. Look for me in the brokenness of this world because you will need it. And it won't be hard to find. And what I think about is this, while the people of Israel were waiting for the arrival of a savior, i.e. the first advent, they had been anticipating it and they were human. So their anticipation waned. It would go from weak to strong. Maybe they had these seasons where it would remind them of Christ's coming or looking for the Messiah or there would be a prophecy that would draw out of them this excitement and anticipation of the Messiah coming. And then they would fall back into whatever it was that was mundane and happening, right? Or something bad would happen and they would cry out to the Lord of, oh God, where are you? 
We see this deep sense of waiting in the people of Scripture, and we see the prophets constantly trying to remind them of God, the Messiah, is going to come. And I also think it's worth noting that when Jesus broke into the scene, no one really said, hey, that must be the Messiah in the manger. Nobody goes, yeah, that seems right. Although, that was what was promised. There were all of these prophecies that Jesus came to fulfill, and he was fulfilling them, and people were still not putting two and two together. And I think that that could be because of a couple of things. One, Jesus wasn't the king that they had anticipated. He was the king that was prophesied about, but in our heads and in their heads, he was going to look different. One could also say that perhaps they didn't get it because they were not watchful. They were forgetful. They were caught up in the happenings of life. Their anticipation wasn't oriented towards the coming of the Messiah. And friends, I think we see a similar attitude in ourselves. We lose sight of the coming good of God. We lose sight of the anticipation and the hope of his return. We get caught in the signs of this world that are broken and that change our lives forever. I can think of often times in my life where I go, my life was different after this day. My life was different because this happened. And often I don't recall and think back on those moments of, and yet God is going to come and make all things new. That often comes days, weeks, years after those things. And so what we learn from our friends um, and the people of Israel is that we must remain watchful. We have to look for God on the move today. According to scripture, we see hope as this definition of the expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. Hope equals the expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. Friends, to hope is to anticipate. To hope is to live in the expectation of something to come. And scripture reminds us that it's not an expectation of the same old, same old, or, you know, the worst case scenario planning that maybe some of us do, not me, just other people, my friends. Um, but instead, to hope is to anticipate and to believe and to orient ourselves in the direction of the coming good based on the person and the promises of God. To hope is to really live into this season of anticipation. And what it should look like is putting us at the feet of Jesus. It should have us remembering and reorienting and filling our homes with the promises of God. And with the person of him. That's what Advent is. Advent is reminding one another of who God is and what he says he's going to do. And looking to the person of Christ and becoming enamored with him. I recently made a mistake of telling my two-year-old son that we were going on a train ride in about two weeks. 
And I said, hey, we're going to go on this train ride, look at these Christmas lights, and meet Santa, because he really likes trains. So I was like, oh, it'll be good to tell him. Every 15 minutes in my home, we go on train, we meet Santa, we go on train, we meet Santa. Friends, what a simple but beautiful lesson to learn from the children around us. That as they, their anticipation and excitement for Christmas morning is a beautiful reminder of what we should be doing about the coming of Christ's return. Of filling our homes, our minds, our lives with the promises and the person of God. That is what it means to hope. It's being certain of what we do not see. And that he who promised is faithful. See, not the warnings of the words of Jesus in Luke, but more so the instruction of Jesus in Luke was to keep watch. To be on the look for things that we can't see. It feels like we can see them, right? We can see the signs. We can see the destruction. We can see the outfall of the brokenness in the world. But Jesus, his instruction wasn't just see those things. It was see those things and look for me. I don't know about you, but I can get really caught up in the brokenness of the world and not see God. And I think what we see Jesus doing here is inviting us to look one step deeper. To go, be on watch for how I am moving in the world. And just three quick thoughts about anticipating and hope, and then we'll be done. Um, one, first to anticipate is to hope, or, or to hope is to look beyond what we can see. We have to look beyond what's right in front of us. We have to have eyes to see where Jesus is on the move in front of us. We have to push beyond sort of these circuited and... Um, these ways that our minds work or what the culture is saying, hey, this is how you should see things to really look for where we can find God. Secondly, this one won't come as a surprise because our brothers and sisters and even our own life experience teaches this, but when we or when our hope or anticipation is oriented towards the world, it almost always breeds disappointment. You know, I work with teenagers a lot of the time, and this one for them is just reality. They're often anticipating and hoping in things of the world, and what I see is just a, an array of disappointment. An array of what I thought was going to be this really beautiful piece of gold just falls by the wayside. And I wish I could just say, oh yeah, that's just teenagers. But friends, I have had conversations with you all where our hope has been oriented towards things of this world, and Jesus is silently and sort of just peacefully looking at us saying, come back to me. Orient yourselves around me. And we don't have to look far in our world to see this truth become true, where people have oriented themselves around the ways of the world, and they are consistently looking around going, there's got to be more. Which leads me to kind of this final thought of when our anticipation is oriented towards Christ, it breeds hope in us. So when you go, how do I grow hope? 
How do I do that? It's when we orient and move our anticipation towards the person and promises of God. When we become obsessed with remembering the truths of who God is and what he is here to do. When we get in touch with these Advent themes of joy, hope, peace, and love, and the first Advent of Christ coming in the form of a little baby and having an earthly ministry and dying and rising again, when we become enamored with that story, I think we begin to see the hope of the second Advent, of his coming, that he will return, that he will triumph over all things death and brokenness. And friends, not only should our hope and anticipation of Christ's return fuel us, I think it's what's meant to sustain us. I think it's imperative as we live in this in-between time that we go back and remember these things because it's really what's going to carry us through. I'll leave you with this kind of final thought. This in-between time is what some scholars call liminal space. And liminal is defined um, as this, uh, this, the definition is occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or threshold. It's the in-between times. And when I think of our friends that I talked about earlier of Noah and Rachel and David, um, the bleeding woman, the disciples, in all of the liminal spaces that they lived into, I see two things. One, God transforms in the liminal space. He does some of his best work in you and in me when we let him sort of take this crucible of brokenness and change and insert his hope and anticipation into it. And the second thing I see is this. It's painful and it's costly. I wish I had better news this morning. I wish that I could say that this liminal space is a place of great hope and it comes easy for us, but we have to work for it. We have to let God transform us. We have to bow our knee to him. Or in the words of Jesus at the end of Luke, the Luke passage, he says, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may, may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Friends, in order to stand, we have to let God challenge and change us in the in-between times. And we have a choice in that. We can choose not to. Somewhere in the, the, the laundry list of sermons I've heard or books I've read, I can't quite pinpoint, and I tried to figure it out, and I couldn't, maybe... One of you will be able to tell me this. But there was this story about, um, I think C.S. Lewis said it, but I could be wrong. Um, this story about when a man comes before God to stand before him after he's died, there could be this interaction, perhaps, where Jesus looks at the man and says, you know, either I will bow my knee to you or you will bow your knee to me. Either way, but it's your choice. And so I think of that beautiful picture because, friends, we get the choice of going, will we remember and hold on to the hope of the promises and person of God? And will we let this liminal space change and transform us? Or will we say, no, thank you. But the choice is ours. 
And so friends, as we get deeper into this Advent and Christmas season, I would love for us to take notice of this in-between time we live in, to let us feel the pains of waiting and allow it to orient us deeper into the relationship and our hope with Christ. Because honestly, that's what Advent is. There's 12 days after Christmas that we're meant to celebrate Christmas, but these next 27 days, I think we could get a lot of benefit by getting in touch with just the in-between brokenness, but also the promises and person of God. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you are with us and that you are near to us. Thank you that you came some 2,000 years ago and that you will come again. Thank you that in our waiting and in our anticipation, you are near to us. That the signs um, are not lost on us, but help us to find you amidst them. We pray all of these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.